0: And so today we're a little bit excited, I'm sure some of you can tell we're a little bit excited, a little more charismatic today, because we are excited about the risen Savior, we are excited about what He said, what He said He would do, what He promised for His people, He is alive, He is alive, amen, and this morning we are going to look at a story in John 11 where God's glory is put on display, I want to ask you starting off this morning, when was the last time somebody that you loved disappointed you and let you down? Some of y'all might have to think way far back. Some of y'all can think of something this past week. When was the last time somebody just totally let you down? And you were just very disappointed by them, by their actions. And then when, when was the last time somebody like blew you away with something amazing that they did for you on your behalf? Some of you may have to think way far back. You may have to think about Jesus, right? All the way back to the cross and the resurrection. Well, Jesus in this scene managed to do both for some good friends of his. Martha, Mary, and uh, Lazarus. They, Lazarus was dead. Jesus seemed to let these two young ladies down that he was dear friends with. And uh, I believe that today there's probably some folks that have some disappointment with God. You have some disappointment with God, with maybe something that hasn't happened in your life yet, something that you desire, something that you've prayed for, something that you've believed God for. And I believe that the word of the Lord for you today is what Jesus said to these young ladies. If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. If you would believe, didn't I tell you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. And in John's gospel, John writes these things so that you and I can get glimpses of the glory of who God is in Jesus. And that in seeing him, getting a clear picture of who he is, we might believe. And that we might have everlasting life, eternal life in our believing. You see, one of our problems is is that our circumstances and the world around us has clouded the lenses through which we see the Almighty God, through which we see the perfect Savior. And we tend to judge Him based on our circumstances, based on our unfulfilled dreams or hopes or desires that don't come to pass, that we haven't seen come to pass yet. But it's my hope this morning that we get a clear vision of the glory of who God is and what He has done And so we are going to read from, I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture here, so join me here in John chapter 11, and we're going to look at three aspects of the glory of God seen through Jesus and what he did. Okay, you can read it with me, the The words are on the screen. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill so the sisters sent to him saying Lord he whom you love is ill but when Jesus heard it he said the illness does not lead to death it is for the glory of God so that the son of man may be glorified through it now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Interesting. Verse 7. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you are and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, then he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was talking, taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she she went and met him, and Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her. Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister, the son of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. What? A powerful story what a glorious glimpse of our sovereign savior in the scriptures here's our big idea this is where we're going from this story that i want to highlight simply this that the glory of god was displayed through christ raising the dead and his sympathetic response to grief so that we might get glimpses of his glory and believe in jesus you see, John captures snapshots of the glory of God manifested through Jesus. The son of God came down the earth. He became flesh. He dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. John one tells us. And so we got this snapshot here. This is one of Jesus's seven miracles recorded in this gospel. And each of those miracles were signs pointing to who Jesus is. They were signs affirming who he was, who his identity was. They were, they were displays of his glory so that the people might believe who he is. And the first thing I want to point out in this text is that we see the glory of Jesus through his sympathy. Jesus is a sympathetic Savior. Jesus is sympathetic to our grief, to us, to our pain, to our disappointment, to our discouragement, to our weakness. At least three times in this text, it mentions that Jesus loved them. He loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. And when he showed up to the tomb And he saw what was going on. He saw the pain. He saw the grief. He was deeply moved. He was deeply troubled. And he wept. He cried. This may be children's favorite memory verse because it's so short. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. But one of the things we see about this is we have a God who not only thinks and speaks and acts, but we have a God who feels our pain. We have a God who stepped into the brokenness of this creation in which we live and he allowed himself to feel the pain and the sufferings of this broken life, of this world that we have messed up through our own rebellion against Almighty God. And Jesus comes down. And he gets down in our level. He steps into our brokenness. He stepped into their uh, their world here. Jesus showed up for them, and he knew he was going to raise Lazarus. I mean, think, like, do you question like, why is he crying if he knew he's about to like rise from the dead? Why why isn't Jesus like have this big smile on his face while everybody else is cry- like weeping? Why is he just not like, yeah, he's gonna rise from the dead? Yeah, it's all right, don't don't cry. He allows himself to feel the, the grief of that moment. And he's probably somewhat angered too, probably somewhat angered by Satan and sin and the destruction that the kingdom of darkness has brought to all of humanity and those that he dearly loves. Lazarus, Martha, Mary. they they felt the the brokenness of this world and Jesus felt it. He stepped into it. And that is glorious that we see this. That we see that that Jesus is is one who's full of grace and truth. That God is, is one who's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And He sympathizes with us. He cares for us. Perhaps there's somebody here going through grief right now. Jesus sympathizes with you. He cares for you. He wants to walk with you through whatever you're going through. He identified with the brokenness of this world and yet never sinned. It says here Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit, greatly troubled, and he wept. And those who saw around the Jews, they said, see how he loved them. They took note. This guy's full of love. He's really compassionate, sympathetic. Hebrews 4 tells us that, Hebrews 4.14, it says, "Since, Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our need. Jesus can sympathize with our weakness. Jesus thirsted. He got hungry. He felt the pain of betrayal. He, he stepped into this, this moment of grief with his friends. He was with them. And you know what? He's with you, church, in your moments of grief and sorrow and pain. And this is, this is an anchor for those of us who are going through suffering and grief and disappointment and discouragement. That, that we have a God who sympathizes with us. Amen? So notice in verse 21 and 30, 22 that Martha expresses her disappointment with Jesus. Martha and Mary seem to have some passive aggressiveness going on here. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. How many of us today maybe feel like that about something? We feel like, God, if you just would have did this, if you just would have answered this prayer, if you just would have showed up here. Maybe you haven't said that, but maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've felt that. Maybe your actions have communicated that. Just kind of a pouting spirit towards God. Like, man, God, where are you? And as I said earlier, Jesus said, I told you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, sometimes it looks like God is missing the mark because we are too short sighted to see what God is aiming for. Tim Keller says this. Sometimes when I go to Jesus, he lets things happen that I don't understand. He doesn't do things according to my plan or in the way that makes sense to me. But if Jesus is God, then he's got to be great enough to have some reasons to let you go through things you can't understand. His power is unbounded, but so are his wisdom and his love. See, it didn't make sense to Martha and Mary that, that, that Jesus didn't like show up. They called for him. Where are you at, Jesus? Jesus. You're late. You're four days late. They didn't say that. You're four days late. We saw you heal the blind guy. We, we know all the other things you did. This was a piece of cake for you. You could have healed Lazarus from the sickness. Anybody struggle with showing up late to things? Here's a verse for you to justify your tardiness. (laughs) Jesus was four days late. I do love, by the way, I do love that Jesus wasn't bound by man's timetable and expectations. We must be careful that those don't shackle us. The opinions of people... And in, in the, the ways of the culture that we don't allow those things to bog us down to try to be somebody that God hasn't called us to be. Now, I'm not saying go be tardy all the time, but I'm saying seek to do the will of God wherever you're at. And sometimes doing the will of God means that you're going to be late for some stuff because there's somebody on the side of the road that you need to stop like the good Samaritan did and just say, hey, man, can I help you out? The disappointment with God. Sometimes God's doing something that we don't see. We don't understand. And it's hard for us to wrestle with. Which which brings me to my next point in this story is that Jesus is not only sympathetic, but he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's, he's, He's doing something that's much bigger than us. And you know what? He's in charge. And he knows how to rule the universe without our advice. Sometimes we think we know better than Jesus. Jesus had a plan to show up late. Jesus had a plan to come when Lazarus was dead. That may seem harsh to some of us. The sovereignty of God may seem harsh to some of us because we don't understand why are you letting me go through this, God. But to make sense of it, I think it's important that you know that Jesus is sympathetic. That he's not heartless in bringing you through the storm. He brought his disciples uh, through a storm. He tells them to get in the boat. Go on the other side of the the sea or the lake. And a storm shows up. He knew it was going to happen. Jesus Jesus is with us in the storm. And and many times he brings us through the storms. And we don't always see the, the, the removal of that storm right away when we want it. But he's there with us. And he's sovereign over it. And just one word from him, he can say, shalom, peace, be still. And the storm stops with one word. He could have sent messengers back to Mary and Martha. Your brother will live. He's alive. He's healed right now in the name of Jesus, in my name. He's healed. He could have did that, but he waited And he even said he calls the shot before it happens. He says this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. Jesus calls the half-court shot. No, not half half half-court. Full court. He's all the way on the other side of the court, and he shoots. And he and he says nothing but net. (laughs) Boom! Swish! Glory! And verse 43 and 44, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, and here it is. Here's glory displayed. Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died came out. And his feet and his hands were bound with them, with linen stripes, and his face was wrapped in cloth, and he came out. He's wrapped up like a mummy. And he comes out of the tomb. I mean, what a sight this must have been. Can you imagine the parties with family after that? I'm sure they, they, they did the Lazarus. All right, everybody do the Lazarus. Celebrating the life that Jesus gives. And, and I love this. He comes out bound He comes out, Jesus gives him life, and he tells those around him, unbind him, let him go. Like, take those grave clothes off of him, he's alive. Let me just say this, when you become a Christian, this is what happens to you, you were dead in your sin. And Jesus, with one word, he calls you out of your grave, he calls you out of the deadness of your sin, and you hear and respond to the voice of the Son of God, and you come alive, supernaturally on the inside. And then you get plugged into a church somewhere and Jesus says to the church, hey, help that guy get those grave clothes off. Cause they are stinking. They're stinking up the place. Let's help him walk in the freedom that, that, that we've, that I've provided for him. It's a beautiful picture of salvation here. This is what Jesus does for us. He raises us from the dead. You see, humanity doesn't need to just be, have have a a moral makeover and just be, be nicer to people. Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. He came to raise us from the deadness of our sin and give us new life. And this is why Christianity is different than other religions. Cause it's not just a moral makeover. It's not just a, a self-improvement. Make yourself a little bit better. It's, it's death to life. It's darkness to light. It's being rejected and an enemy of God to being a friend of God, a child of God, forgiven and free and redeemed. Amen. And when you experience this, you, you're a new creation. Things change. You don't live like you used to. You don't talk like you used to. You don't wear those old grave clothes. You get a new outfit. And it's described as love, kindness, meekness, the mercies of God. Amen? So Jesus is sovereign. And these are, these are two rock-solid truths that we have to cling to, church. When we're going through grief and sorrow and pain and suffering, we need to know that He's good and He's merciful and He's sympathetic and He's gracious and He's for us and He's with us and He cares about what we're going through. He loves us. It, it, I think it's profound that, that, that John says, Lord, the one whom you love is ill, but when Jesus heard it, He said what he said. This illness does not lead to death, but it's for the glory of God. And then verse five. And Jesus loved them, loved Martha and Lazarus and his sister. And he stays two more days. He hangs out two more days. Like he doesn't just respond right away. He had a plan. He was up to something. He was doing something. He is sovereign. Amen? Amen. And lastly, I want to point out here in verse 24 through 27 is that Jesus is the source of life. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet, he, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who's coming into the world. This is powerful. So Martha had been taught well. She had some orthodox theology when it comes to the resurrection. She didn't follow the stream of the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection. She 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 believed there would be a resurrection And Jesus points her not just to the theology of the resurrection. While that's good and we need to have good solid rock theology. But orthodox theology does not substitute us putting our faith in the one who is the resurrection in the life. Because you can have tight knit theology that's right on spot on true and right. And not even know Jesus and go straight to hell when you die. Okay, So it's not about just knowing the right doctrines. It's about knowing Him who is the resurrection and the life. And that's what we're about here at City Church. We're about knowing Jesus, loving people, and impacting your world. We want to know Him who is the resurrection. It's not enough to just know about Him. It's not enough to just know He rose from the dead and, and He promises resurrection and life. We have to know Him personally, intimately. John 17, 3, it says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. Jesus is the source of life. You can't get everlasting life, abundant life apart from Jesus. Many folks try to circumvent the cross and circumvent Jesus and go straight to God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father God except through me. In John's gospel, we see Jesus is the bread of life. We see Jesus is the one who gives living waters to those who come to him who thirst. We see Jesus as the one who came to give abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come that you may have life, that you may have it abundantly. And so I want to ask you today, do you have life, got life? Do you got life or are you merely existing and surviving and making it through in this world? Jesus didn't come to die and be buried for three days and resurrected from the dead merely so that you can exist in this world. He came to give you life, eternal life, abundant life. And He says, come to Him. Just come and get it. It's free. It's free, it's offered, as a free gift. Jesus said this in John 5. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And check this out. I don't think Jesus is talking about those in the grave at this, in this verse. A couple verses later he is. But in this verse here, I think he's referring to the spiritually dead. And those who hear his voice and hear his message and hear the gospel proclaimed, who are spiritually dead, will hear and believe and come alive right now. Look, it keeps on going. Verse 26. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out. And those who've done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There's coming a day when they're, when those who are dead in the tombs are going to hear the voice of the Son of God and they're going to come up out of that tomb. One, one theologian said if, if Jesus didn't give specifics when he called Lazarus out and call him specifically by name, then there would have been a whole cemetery of folks coming up out of the grave when he said, come out! <laughs> But he was specific. Lazarus, come out. Right? There's coming a day when, when Jesus is going to call all who are dead to come to new life. And those who have believed in him will have resurrection life. And those who have not will be resurrected to judgment eternally. 1 John tells us that he who has the son has not has life. He who has not the Son does not have life and won't see life. And so do you got life? Do you know Him? You know, just a couple months ago, I got to visit uh, an elderly woman, actually Mary Hernandez's mother on her deathbed. And she, she lived two more days after that. And I got to be one of the few people to go in there with her and some of the other family members. And it was just a very sobering moment. I, I, you can just sense death. You can just feel the darkness. You can feel the grief. Baylor Hospital. Mary wanted me to pray for her and share something and thought, what do I say? What do I say to this woman who is about to pass from, from this life into the next? How do I encourage her? What do I say that could make any difference at all at this point in her life? And I believe that there are some words that can make a huge difference. And I quoted John eleven twenty-five. 25. I said these words. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So I quoted this, this verse. Just hoping that she would hear and grasp on to these words. I didn't know exactly where she was at spiritually. But I know that these words are true. And that if somebody's on their deathbed, like, like the criminals that were on the cross, if somebody's at the last moments of their life and they're about to die, they can turn to Jesus for mercy and grace. I've had people in the streets tell me I'm going to do that one day. Right now I'm going to party and live my life how I want. But on my deathbed, I'm going to repent. I said, man, you may not get that chance, bro. Like, like don't, don't presume upon the mercy and the grace of God. You may not have tomorrow, but you have today. And the scripture says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you know you're not in relationship with him, he is extending a call for you to come and receive life. He is offering forgiveness. He's offering mercy. He's offering everlasting life, abundant life. He wants to take your disappointment and turn it into dancing. He wants to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy For mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what he wants for you. And if you'll come, today is the day. Now's the time. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Turn to him. Repent. Believe. Know that Jesus cares about you and he sympathizes with you in your grief. And receive Jesus as the source of your life. Don't think you can get it anywhere else. He's the only way to find true life. Believe in Him now for abundant life and for eternal life. He saves, He heals, He forgives, He redeems, He restores, He accepts and forgives the guilty. He's amazing. Now's the time to receive what he's done. So as the worship team comes up and leads us in this song, I want to call us as a church to respond. Respond in rejoicing over Jesus and all that he's done for us. And if you don't know him, I want to call you to respond by receiving him receiving his gift of salvation. It's a gift that you can reject or you can receive and you can do it today. You may be like Martha and you may have some doctrine down and you may know orthodox theology that yeah, there's a resurrection. Yeah, Jesus is the son of God. But do you know him? Do you really know him and have eternal life through knowing him? Because if you don't, he wants you to know him. So Father, I just thank you That you are gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in steadfast love. I thank you that Christ came. He died and was buried. He was resurrected on the third day so that we might have life. And we look and we see this snapshot in John 11 of glory on display. May our hearts, God, arise with faith and hope and confidence because Christ is risen. He's alive. And so may we live like it and speak like it and look like it, that Jesus really is alive.